heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. My view is that the Melbourne Spring Carnival's a national institution that we all benefit from. It's not like Sydney doesn't benefit from the might of the Melbourne Spring Carnival. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. It is time for RSN's racing editor, Matty Stewart, and um, it's been a big 24 hours, plenty of news. We're going to talk about Hong Kong overnight, Rachel King again. Um, doing wonderful things. And there's a, a couple of grabs. John Moore over there spoke with Andrew Bensley. Uh, but first of all, we'll begin with what's been a bombshell announcement yesterday. I'll tell you one thing, racing New South Wales and racing in that state does better than Victoria does. It keeps a secret better than us. The <laughs> fact that there was no whispers uh, that came out before this announcement yesterday that the impending sale of Rose Hill, which is almost done... Um, is quite remarkable. We did the the non-disclosure agreement down here with the trainers with the, you know, this kind of crazy Mm. idea they had about pyjama racing and whatever it was, however you describe it. They they kept their lips pretty quiet about (laughs) that one, but... Uh, well, I, think re- I want to get your personal reaction first, and then we'll go to the grabs from Peter McLaurin this morning, yep. uh, who is obviously the, the chair of the ATC, who is the mastermind behind this in consultation with the New South Wales government for the projected $5 billion sale of the Rose Hill Racecourse. We'll get the reaction from Gay Waterhouse and Richard Friedman as well. But from where you sit, what you've been able to read, uh, are you in favour of this mooted sale or against it? I don't know where I sit as a position on it necessarily. Like I'm, 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 I'm thinking, wow, how do you, how do you not have Rose Hill? How do you not have the brand and the wagering attached to Rose Hill? It'd be like taking Caulfield out. Um, so I don't know how they think they're going to fill that confidence with punters void if Rose Hill's not there. Gay Waterhouse was interesting about partial redevelopment. It made me think about what correlations there are between the, the likely sale of Sandown and the likely sale of Rose Hill about what has to happen for it to happen and member votes. Uh, it's the same situation. Um, it is a 51%, 50% plus one vote from the members of the MRC and the ATC to, if they don't, if that, the vote doesn't go that way, if it falls under that, it doesn't get, it doesn't happen. Which, that surprised me, the confidence in Peter McGoran to say that this is virtually a done deal when mm. there'd been no um, mention of it in any of the articles. Until no consultation with members? No consultation. Has, he no, said that to us before. That's right. Yeah. But there's been no mention of pending a ATC member vote in any of the articles, mm. in any of the press releases that you read. Now... And if I'm a member, I'm, my nose is already out of joint. Where are you going to move? Like, if, if that racetrack that you pay a membership to mm. goes and it moves 20 kilometres west or 25 kilometres west or whatever, um, that's a long way away in Sydney yep. in traffic and driving. So I'd imagine there would be a pushback from the members. I don't know whether you would I'd imagine... I'd like to know the demographic of the members. 51% is guaranteed. 
Yeah, I would think so. And I, I actually texted Annabelle Nisham after she made a comment that I find frustrating in that uh, trainers, and I'm not knocking her or any other trainer, Richard Friedman was the same. They only see the world through their own lens and their own self-interest, and this is... But that's understandable. Yeah, I know, but... It's but, their business, but, their livelihood. I know, but then maybe their opinion is only partially to be taken into consideration because... You know, they talk about what's good for the participants. Well, the, the fans, the non-participants, don't care what's good for the participants necessarily. They care what's good for them. They care about, can I go to Rose Hill in the future? Where do I have to go if I don't go there? I'm a member of uh, the ATC and therefore, you know, I, I, I have, it's valuable to me that Rose Hill is there, even if it's convenient for Annabelle or Richard Friedman to get a wad full of cash to go somewhere else. So I... I actually often think, and I had an argument a bit with Danny O'Brien about this, about pop-up races in Sydney, where he said, oh, it's all great, rah, rah, because it's great for the trainers. And, the, and I thought, well, it's not great for everyone else. So it's not great for the balance of racing in this country. So the I think that might be Annabelle texting me back angrily. But if, um, you're, if you're to take Peter McGoran at face value, um, well, the trainers don't get a vote. They are obviously going to be very well compensated in any move that is made because, you know, they're, they're financially, uh, I suppose, um, bound by their training centre there. So they're going to... Uh, I'll play a grab from Richard Friedman in a moment. He basically said, if the compensation is good enough, we'll do it. But they don't get a vote as to whether this goes ahead. If Peter McGoran and what he said is 100% correct and you take it at face value, that it needs to be rubber-stamped by the members. They are the ones mm. who get a vote. Exactly right. So there are a lot of correlations between the Rose Hill situation and the Sandown situation, and there's been a lot of chatter on social media. Everyone's cottoned onto that on social media at the moment, and a few of the uh, the SMSs you read out were really interesting as well about the uh, importance of history and the demographics and that, and then this idea of, oh, no, you've got to move forward, and the young trainers get it, and the older ones don't. So... But um, well, let's have a listen yeah. to what Peter McGoran said this morning um, with the Brecky guys because um, he was quite direct and quite, I suppose, adamant about what the positives will be with this impending sale, which he describes as very, very confident it's a done deal. If we don't evolve as a sport and make hard decisions like this, uh, then I, 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 sports die, Matt. They, um, we, we're seeing that all around the world, and racing jurisdictions are not immune from that. So we, we believe we can leapfrog 50 years over the course of the next decade as we reconstruct uh, metropolitan racing. The trainers have been very good, very open. Um, some of the first reactions range from it's exciting, quote unquote, um, or to, well, you'll have no objection because they can see it's impossible to say no. I know, as, as, you, as you correctly suggested in, in your introduction, that the loss of Rose Hill is, you know, is, is almost unimaginable, but you have to look at what it will bring the industry. We are, we are, we are not a threatened species, but we have to change, we have to evolve, we have to have the best facilities for horses and people alike. Um, so they all understand the objective that you cannot... It's impossible to say no to $5 billion because every, because you can, re, you can restructure the industry and you can have a purpose built from the ground up, a tr new training centre with everything in metropolitan uh, Sydney that you have at Ballarat and at uh, Cranbourne and Pakenham. 
And it also makes you think about Project X, like they're building a Project X type thing by the sound of it, you know? Yeah, uh, this is a lot different to what has been put on the, the blueprint for Victorian racing. Though. We're talking about the second biggest racetrack in Sydney. It's, as you described earlier, it's akin to Caulfield selling up the main track. We're not talking about Sandan, which is a second-tier track, not in the way it races, but it's mm. a second-tier track in the way of the, the calibre of races it holds and where the fans uh, go. And the wagering. And the yeah. wagering, exactly. This is the the second best track in Sydney, which has got the history of the Golden Slipper and other Group 1 races as well, because it's a long way above Warwick Farm, which is basically they took all the Group 1 races of Warwick Farm because mm. the track was um, not up to scratch. And Canterbury's a dog track. So th there's no way that they want to see major races there unless they are totally reconfigured. Now, what's the timing of all of this? Mm. Uh, when you Do they need the $5 billion paid up front so they can build a brand new race track? Are they swimming track? in rivers of gold in Sydney? This is the other thing that McGoran says as well is uh, oh, you know, everything's withering on the vine, we have to you know, protect ourselves. Uh, for, for the here and now with the wagering model and the point of consumption and all that sort of stuff, Sydney racing has, is swimming in money. Like, well, uh, wh wh Where's the panic? They, uh, they're very good salespeople in Sydney. Uh, well, he's there, a there, such a politician. There is no, no racing jurisdiction that's impervious to the downturn in the wagering returns. Yeah. So they they obviously need money and they don't have the money to upgrade Randwick. Randwick needs redoing. But does Randwick inevitably... So punters' habits can change. Like just because we say now that or oh, Hill's a massive brand and punters love betting there, it's not to say that in 10 years' time punters won't uh, switch across and have the same mindset about Warwick Farm. So nothing's setting stone forever. It's a bit like Sandown. Sandown's figures were quickly chasing, catching up to what the sand, the Caulfield wagering figures were when given its chance. So, Shall we hear from Richard Freeman yep. and then we'll play Gay. Uh, this is what Richard, who trains um, at Rose Hill, had to say this morning. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. If it happens, I mean, five years is a long time. We get two changes of government in New South Wales in that time and, you know, who knows what changes over the, the course of a, the next five years. So really at this point in time, I think the trainers are at Rose Hill who are affected and there's only seven and we've got to do really the heavy lifting for all this benefit that goes to everybody else. You know, we're, we're sort of feeling a little bit vulnerable. It's like this. I guess it's it's like, you know, selling your house. You'll, you, you'll move if there's substantial benefit in it for you. If it's only as good or marginally better, you probably don't want to move anywhere. But again, uh, and I can't blame him, but it's just absolute self-interest, so... Well, Chris Waller's the one that we need to hear from because he is by far and away the biggest trainer that will have the biggest effect. Um, Annabelle says, I've only got 24 boxes. Richard Freeman doesn't have a huge uh, amount compared to what Chris Waller, who has set up his successful home base there. So um, we asked him to come on this morning, so he's not ready to talk as yet. You've had a text yep. conversation with him. He says, I know nothing more than you and prefer to find out a lot more before making a more educated comment. So that's fair enough. So, buddy, I'm hoping that he will have a view at some point. So, Gay Waterhouse doesn't train there, but she's been, um, without doubt, the, the biggest name in Sydney racing for many, many years, and this was her reaction. 
I think it's the saddest decision they've ever made. I think the government are completely wrong. I don't think they've thought it through. They say they've done their due diligence. I bet there's not one racing person there that has any idea. First of all, you've only got four race courses. The second thing, they're going to put 25,000 homes. How do they think the people are going to find parks and entertainment? Once you lose it, you never get it back. The same thing happened in Paris when they learned, lost Maison Lafitte. The same thing happened in the world over. You don't get the race course back. I spoke to John Hammond when I was over there about losing Maison Lafitte as well, funny enough, and he said they really, really feel it. They really feel that the, in every respect. The well, it, it's, it's obviously a different code and there's a lot different, um, uh, I suppose, um, participation and also um, outside media attention, but... I lived in Sydney at the time when Harold Park mm. was there, and it was such a hub. As soon as I went to Menangle, mm. the sport fell off a cliff, Melton. similar to Mooney Valley and Melton. Well, and who knows, maybe to to, to uh, get some money in the bank and have a prosperous future, maybe Melton, who's to say Melton, will still be there. Uh, housing development, you know. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, I'll but, uh, yeah. I'll give you a snapshot of SMSs which have been flying through, and then we'll move on to Hong Kong. Or we'll move on to um, some other Melbourne news. Uh, grandstands at Caulfield were half empty on Stakes Day. Why are clubs spending so much money on new stands and rebuild? Um, the general public can't pay the huge amounts of money during the spring carnival they're being charged to access them. Let the public access them, get in, and get people back to the track. Interesting, because that is a good segue to something I just want to comment on. There's a meeting at the MRC next Thursday where they're going to discuss a range of where are we at type um, scenarios. And one of them is whether they can afford to build this grandstand. You know, and as Gay said, and as that SMS has said, 200 million on something that is barely used. Um, the my understanding is that the works that have already been done have sailed up over 200 million, um, and whether they now have to sort of put the brakes on um, because the costs are potentially getting way out of what they estimated. And what's the you know what what's the benefit of you know when we've seen the, the the VRC is paying the price for the expensive grandstand and they are now up to. 70 million in debt so well increases at there's never been a worse time to have a major development because interest rates have gone through the roof the cost of building has gone through the roof so um we see the blowouts in the in the state government builds yep. that they are doing um the, the building industry is finding it very difficult to be on time and on budget in anything you do yeah so that's it's going to be really interesting to see just whether the MRC is as enthusiastic about galloping along with the, the full-scale um, uh, production, and then if they decide to rein it in, then may, does that take a little bit of pressure off Sandown, perhaps? If, if you know, like if they decide to proceed and all the costs are huge, or then... do they need to make sure they can sell Sandown or part of yeah. to fund it? Yeah, exactly right. So it's all very interesting. So. Um, We'll see what, you know, I just think the parallels between the Sydney story and the Melbourne story are obvious and the 50% plus one member vote that McGoran seems to be confident that will just sail through. Well, I think there's an exactly the same mindset of the MRC members about what's good for us as opposed to what's good for the club. They don't care what's, they don't care how much money the club's got in the bank. It's not of no interest to them. So it'd be interesting to see if it comes down to the basics of individual um, members. 
couple of other SMSs here. Cheltenham and Victoria Park went. I don't think that was a positive for... Disastrous. ...South Australian racing. Um, if the sport is dying, why take out a major track in a prime population centre? Racing New South Wales has been talking up racing in recent years. Uh, now they seem to be um, backtracking. Um, $20 million Everest, $10 million Golden Eagle and the plethora of pop-ups don't suggest they're in financial strife. What's McGoran talking about? Um... Exactly. Like, what's the? Where's the panic? There's a few other SMSs. Here. It was interesting also that he he didn't agree with me that grassroots in New South Wales was in no way near as happy as the top end of town. You know, they've got forty tracks that have still got uh, wooden running rails. You yep. know, that if that fall at Taree had been uh, with a wooden running rail, it would have been a vastly mm. different situation. So if he did say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah," it'll be spread around, but. We'll see about that. Here's one here, I'm, and I'm only reading this SMS. I don't know 100% whether it's right or not. Going back to the AJC-STC merger, the STC members voted against the merger, but it went ahead anyway. Um, well, that's interesting. It may not necessarily come down to the vote. All right, we'll park that there. We spent enough time talking about that. Um, did you watch much of Hong Kong last night? I watched Bibs and Bobs, and I like the fact that Vincent Ho won it because he's yes. a little bit off-Broadway. Um, the first local to win the yeah. International Jockeys Challenge, which is outstanding. But what about... Rachel King. It's the Rachel, year of Rachel King. How Rachel this King... This is the year of Rachel King. She lands in these massive International Jockey Series and she makes an immediate impact. Diamond Saw's amazing ace. Savvy Delight back over on the inside. Gorgeous Vitality. It's Harmony Fire over on the outside. Oversubscribed has raced up. Taken the lead here for Rachel King. Diamond Saw staying on. Super fast dragon at the late. But it is oversubscribed. to sort of pinch myself halfway up the straight because um, the, the horse just travelled into it super and if anything I thought it might have gone a little bit soon but he was uh, he was strong late and yeah it's great to kick off the night like that. Yeah look he was a, he was a beautiful ride he, he showed me around the track um, which was probably the perfect start to, to riding here at Happy Valley and um, yeah look big thanks to, to David Hall and for um, giving me the opportunity. So Vincent Ho won it with 20 points, Zach Purton second 18 and Rachel King equal third on 16 points. Rode in Japan, Group One wins. Um, did she? She rode the um, Coolmore Stakes winner for for Bjorn Baker. Um, what a! And she's the nicest person in racing. Mm. Clearly, <laughs> um, if she wants to travel, those moments where you hit the ground running and you make an impact certainly open up a lot of doors. And they talk about lucky jockeys in Hong Kong. Well, <laughs> Rachel King will be considered a lucky jockey. And she got. As she was uh, had a surprise wedding in England during the year too that was sprung on her, and, and she said that it was on the top ten list of the top ten things she did this year. <laughs> <laughs> top ten. I, um, there's another clash in Hong Kong on Sunday. We're getting a little bit more enthusiastic every day when we start to think about it. Aidan O'Brien sort of um, raised interest in the Luxembourg Romantic Warrior Clash in the 2000 metre race, uh, talking up the form of Luxembourg with the second in the Irish champion and then he wasn't right but we've got him right and we're really looking forward to taking on Romantic Warrior. Luxembourg, it's worth pointing out, is is not, was not a Hookham or a Westover. He was, or an Ace Impact. He was a little bit below that. So I think for our parochialism in this part of the world, we'd like to see Romantic Warrior give Luxembourg a nice kicking, well, uh, well, metaphorically speaking. I think the other one, though, that we um, want to look forward to, and I'm starting to warm after listening to um, what Damien Lane said with uh, Hutchie on his 
um, podcast, the, the triple trio, is Prognosis, the Japanese horse. Mm. Don't forget he chased home Equinox mm. last start. And yep. Damien Lane said, look, that was just a warm-up run. Mm. The, the connections knew he was mm. never going to beat Equinox. Mm. This is his focus. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really interested this year. It'd be nice if we had a horse there. But... And do, do you remember what Ben Mason, um, the vet, told us on Monday at Ballarat? He said it's going to be fascinating to see how he, Romantic Warrior, will be able to overcome everything because he's had to go back and mm. do quarantine in Hong Kong and that's a strict two-week co- uh, quarantine over there. So it'll be an outstanding training um, uh, job by Danny Shulman if he's able to get Romantic Warrior to peak and then come back, quarantine and peak again. If I'm if I'm a Hong Kong racing fan, I'm going to shout in on Sunday thinking I'm going to the biggest event they've ever had because you've got Golden 60 trying to cling on to his best ever romantic warrior against the Japanese and Aidan O'Brien, the sprint. Oh, I think it's going to be, yeah, I'm getting really keen about it now. Um, hey, uh, Dave, uh, we're talking about rumblings back home as well. Uh, Musk Creek farm owner and MRC committeeman just whispers, Jungle Drum, this is our version of the rumour file. Just, I'm hearing that he's... David Cobritz. David Cobritz uh, has come into the frame for uh, RV chairman interest. Mm. That's just what I'm hearing on the grapevine. Um, so, so currently involved at, at Mooney Valley. Yep, Mooney Valley committee, Musk Creek owner, a very well-known figure in the game. There's very successful also businessman. There's also been a lot of rumblings and rumours that um, Gil McLaughlin yep. is in the running for the RV chairmanship. So I think there's been a lot of wooing of um, Gil McLaughlin, whether they've been able to convince him to um, throw his hat in the ring. One thing that has been very obvious is that this has taken far too long to bring a new chairman in. Um, Brian Kruger left, Mm. was it before June? It was well before, wasn't it? It was very early in the first quarter of the year. You'd think coming up to Christmas that some of these things have to be sort of loose ends, have to be tied up, but it now, last week it closed for the uh, applicant for the position on the board, don't know who that was, and now it goes to Anthony Carbines uh, to sort of ratify that, and then the board then votes on whoever's on the board who, who becomes the chairman. So David Kobritz is... You know, he's a pretty solid figure. I mean, Absolutely. he he would he would be a, a, a fairly good candidate, you'd imagine. Hey, were you punting yesterday? Uh, well, you know the answer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you see what could be a potential autumn or spring carnival horse in action in a midweek summer race at Sandown? If you didn't, have a listen to this. Plenty of ammo under hands and heels as five, six lengths in front and plenty of ammo is going to come away and that's what you want to see when you've taken a dollar eighteen. Plenty of ammo has walked in. One at four legs Royal Fox Super Solar. It was easy. Could see that turn of foot today. She can slip them very quickly, and you know if she can do that over 2,000 metres, she'll be winning really good races. And look, she's right up there with you know Cyrilo, Miss Wishlaw, Lash. She's showing just as much as as they did, you know, at, at the same sort of uh, stage. So yeah, look, the sky's the limit for her. Previous day, you had a half brother to front page that won really well up the bush. He's on the cusp of being. He's right. a very very good trainer, and this is a five-year-old mare, and that was just her fourth start. So. I'm not sure what the background is of the history, but um, the upside's certainly there. And, you know, she's not beating anything, but it's the style in which she's beating them. No, no, he's, he's hot to trot. There's no doubt about that. Just one last one. He's never had a strife 
Bob Baffert, is he? I just want to read you the first three paragraphs of this story. Bob Baffert filed a motion for default judgment against Justin Wundela in a lawsuit the trainer filed in the California Federal Court. So, so far, nothing interesting in this story. The suit alleges, among other things, that Wundela and Daniel D. Karikia, both residents of New Jersey, falsely claim they possess a video that would end Baffert's career if publicly released. The defendants are also accused of extortion in connection with the alleged damning video. Um, Baffert's complaint initially filed blah 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 in the district court asked for 75,000 in compensatory damages punitive damages, production of video to the court and injunctive relief whatever all that means but the bottom line is the rascally Bob Baffert is now facing an extortion bid from two people from New Jersey and he's fighting it in the court. He's a walking soap opera Bob Baffert isn't he? Yep. Um, There's an SMS here uh, just to end on for you Maddie. Hang on, Maddie. You've already said that Michelle Payne and Annabelle Neesham are the nicest people in racing. How many can there be? Um, well, what? more than Maria. More than Maria. <laughs> if you're listening, Michelle, love you. Uh, Maddie, we'll see you on the Big V. See ya. Maddie Stewart joining us uh, after 11.30 on the Big V. We'll take a break.